Black people are disproportionately stopped, interrogated, and arrested by LMPD. It is just one point in the new LMPD audit that has eroded trust in the city's police department for many in the black community. More than 100 changes recommended to LMPD following a top-to-bottom review of the department. WDRB's Dalton Godby explains the key issues the outside investigator found. Uh, but what's striking is that now it's all in black and white to be studied and to be used as a roadmap going forward. From the digital journalists of WDRB.com, this is Uncovered. A behind-the-scenes look at stories affecting education, business, criminal justice, and more in Louisville, Kentucky. And now for the show. This is Chris Otts of WDRB.com, and I'm joined by my colleagues, Chad Mills and Jason Riley. Guys, thanks as always for coming on the show. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having us. Good afternoon. Thank you all for being here. Last week, Mayor Greg Fisher released a $190,000 consultant's report, a top-to-bottom review of the Louisville Metro Police Department. Today is a big day, a day that represents an inflection point for the city and for police community relations. If you followed my business... As expected, it was not very flattering. Chad, what prompted this report? Well, Chris, it all goes back to, as our listeners will certainly be aware of, the events of last year. Today will forever be etched in our history. It's been almost 200 days since the raid that killed Brianna Taylor. Former LMPD detective Brett Hangison is the only one facing charges, but it's not. There was the police shooting of Brianna Taylor at her apartment. Dino's Food Mart here in West Louisville, the site of a police shooting, another police shooting in the city of Louisville that has ended with an African-American man dead. I want to give you there was the subsequent shooting of David McAtee uh, by the Kentucky National Guard. Uh, and then obviously the, the summer of, kind of the racial reckoning we had in Louisville where people took to the streets in protest. Uh, demanding not only more transparency from Louisville's government, but more accountability from not just the mayor's office, but LMPD as well. And the mayor, uh, in his response to that, called for this independent review, and it was important that it be independent, which is why Hillard Heights was brought in to conduct the review. Audits involve taking an unflinching, comprehensive look at what's working well and what we can do better. And one of the things we recognized in 2020 was that kind of review of LMPD was long overdue. Today, we're sharing the findings of the Hillard Heinz audit. People didn't seem to agree on much over the course of last year, but it, it seems that most people agreed that Hillard Heinz was the firm for the job, could come in and really do just a, an intense look at LMPD's protocols, practices, makeups, and relationship with the community. And that's what we have in front of us right now. Who is Hilliard Heinz and why are they qualified to make uh, this uh, independent review of LMPD? 
firm out of Chicago, and uh, in listening to the news conference last week, it's clear that they have a lot of police experience, uh, which is important as they review the practices here in Louisville. Jason, these issues with LMPD are not new, although the police department certainly came under much greater scrutiny in 2020 because of Breonna Taylor and David McAtee. Right. The, the, the context here is, yes, this kind of put uh, LMPD on a national spotlight, but there have been issues uh, going back for years. And if you just look at the last five years, they had the the allegations with the LMPD Explorer program where officers were accused of sexually abusing minors. There's three officers that have already been convicted of crimes in that case, plus seven pending lawsuits going on there. You also have OT issues where officers were federally charged and convicted for stealing OT. They said that that was a problem with the entire department. And there's a review going on there. There's been problems with traffic stops of African-Americans where there's been no probable cause to stop them, where they've been taken out of their car, handcuffed, dogs brought in. There's another half dozen or so lawsuits going on with that situation. Uh, Wrongful arrest. The last few years uh, that I've been covering police, I've seen more lawsuits than probably the 10 years before that in total. So there have been simmering problems uh, before this all came about nationally in the last year. Illustrative of these problems, Jason, you mentioned the disproportionate traffic stops. We had that very high profile case with the teenager Tayon Lee in 2018. Mama, they're taking me out the vehicle. Back in 2018, Tayon Lee's traffic stop sparked outrage. The teenager pulled over near 18th and Algonquin, handcuffed and detained, all for making a wide turn. It's one more example of uh, what I feel to be a pattern of a lack of transparency, of accountability, and an unwillingness to right what is wrong. And right before this LMPD top to bottom review came out, we learned that police took two years to investigate a traffic stop And there were no consequences from that traffic stop after a two-year investigation of an incident that took maybe 15 minutes or so and was all caught on video. A few things about that, Chris. One of the reasons they closed it, and I have no idea why it took two years, because the main officer involved in the stop left and went to another department. And you know, one of the problems people say LMPD has is if an officer is under investigation and uh, resigns, the investigation is closed. So that investigation was closed. Other investigations of these similar stops, there was no issues found because at the time, what they were doing with was uh, proper under standard operating procedures. Now, LMPD has since changed their traffic stop procedures in the wake of all of these stops, including the Tayon Lee one. Chad, what were some of the headline main findings of the Hilliard Heinz review? 
Well, in one of the first few pages, it, it really summed up the findings. It says LMPD is a quote unquote department in crisis. And the findings uh, are, are shocking when you see the numbers. Of course, talking to a lot of people, they say, hey, look, this is what we expected. We expected the morale of police officers to be low. We expected the trust of the community in LMPD to be low. Uh, but what's striking is that now it's all in black and white to be studied and to be used as a roadmap going forward. Uh, let's go through the public trust first and just go through a couple basic numbers. Uh, a number of residents were polled of the black respondents. 48% of them said they do not trust the LMPD. Uh, some other perceptions, about 54% of the people polled felt that LMPD is not effective at preventing crimes, 54% there. 76% of respondents uh, said that LMPD didn't address the problems that really concern them. 65% said they're not satisfied with the performance of LMPD. And over 70% of people who were polled say that the community is not fully engaged with LMPD. So those are some numbers from the community side, but the report also found that officer morale is low. Of the officers who participated, 96% said morale is low in the department, and 75% of the officers who responded said they'd leave the department if they had the opportunity. So some striking numbers that may not be surprising when you consider the shape the department is in right now, but certainly shocking when you look at them and see 96% of officers saying morale is low, Chris. Jason, do you think it really took a $200,000 report to tell us that there was distrust in the African-American community towards LMPD? No. I, and there have been stories about, uh, you know, I think the report said that um, black people are 60% more likely to be stopped, two times likely more to be arrested. I mean, that, that kind of information has been around and reported for years. So uh, it, it, another thing this report says, it's generations of problematic relations with minorities. So uh, no, I don't think it, you necessarily needed to pay that to know that, but to see it in black and white and to get, and to get the mayor and everybody to focus on it now because of this. I mean, the mayor is, the chief has said that this is a priority for her, a roadmap to becoming a better department. So maybe it was needed to get the attention of the new chief who doesn't know about, may not know about the history of everything here. And Jason, I think it also gives the chief something to come to the table with to her officers who she's trying to build a relationship and say, look, I'm not the bad guy making some of these changes. Uh, these are in the report. Uh, I, I would like to keep my job as chief. We have to satisfy uh, some of the recommendations made in this report, and there are 102 recommendations inside of it. Well, and she made a point to say that she was going to try to, you know, talk with every officer, given how low the morale is, and let them know that uh, she had their back, that their job is important, and that increasing morale is a, is a must need for the department. Let's talk about the community reaction to this report. Chad, you uh, went and did a story where you specifically got feedback from um, members of the African-American community in Louisville. At Gospel Missionary Church in West Louisville, 
Bishop Dennis Lyons sings for a brighter future. But on this day, he's invited friends young and old to talk about the present and the strained relationship between some African Americans in Louisville and LMPD. With the current LMPD. Yeah, last Friday, uh, Bishop Lyons invited us to his church in West Louisville and uh, said that he would like to get together a, a group of various people, various backgrounds, young and old. Um, one was a veteran, uh, one is a pastor, one was a young man who has been incarcerated, uh, a few more in his uh, sanctuary as well, uh, to talk about the findings of the report, and kind of where do we go from here. And uh, I've just been writing down some words that I want to hit on that were all kind of big keystones that they brought up in terms of where the change is most needed. They say they want fairness from LMPD. That's pretty obvious. They say they also want respect. And uh, Bishop Lyons told me that he had met with Chief Shields a few days prior, maybe the day prior, and said that this was something they really talked about. They want to be treated with the same respect that LMPD would treat someone with uh, during a traffic stop in, let's say, the Highlands. Uh, they wanted that same respect in West Louisville. Uh, education is something they also want, understanding how the police operate, and they want the police to understand the African-American community that they police as well. Uh, they want more open line of communication between them and the police. They also want diversity, and this is one area that the uh, report really hit on is that LMPD isn't quite reflective of the community it serves uh, in that the demographics don't line up uh, exactly. More African-American officers are needed in LMPD's ranks. And those I talk to say that's definitely something they would like to see more of. They, they want to see more people who look like them in LMPD's makeup. And they say that you know, that, that would certainly help with their trust factor of the police. Uh, but one they consistently hit on was visibility. They want to see officers in their neighborhoods, not just during the, the bad times when there's a shooting call or something like that. They want to see them pass through, maybe get out of the car, knock on some doors, hang out, talk, uh, you know, stop by some of the black churches, uh, have kind of an, as they were telling me, an open door policy, come in, grab a bite to eat, talk, not necessarily do any work, just hang out, make friends. Uh, and they say that would really go a long way. They say, yes, there are people who ha have been raised to to dislike the police. And, and, you know, it will be a tough road to plow to, to fix that relationship. But they say there are plenty of people who want to develop a better relationship with the police. But right now they don't have that relationship. And some of them won't even call 911 as a result to report an emergency or a crime or something like that. Well, I bet Louisville police would love to have more of that community policing too. But guys, I, I, from recent reporting, it seems that they are down uh, a lot in uh, people power. They don't necessarily have the officers to do that, to just hang around and, 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 and walk the beat. That seems like a bit of a luxury right now, doesn't it? Yeah, and I, I think you hit the nail on the on the head there, and the report acknowledges that it as well. I just pulled up this excerpt. It says, this data suggests that although officers are supportive of community policing and community engagement, the department should consider improving its performance evaluation and promotional processes 
to reward behaviors that support its community-related goals. And another part says that the community community policing strategies are, uh, you know, lacking right now, which isn't really a surprise to those you talk to. But you would have to assume that that budget manpower really does come into play. Uh, obviously, LMPD doesn't have as many officers as it had just a couple of years ago after a harsh budget a few years ago. Uh, I was sitting in, this is unrelated to the Hillard Heights report, but we were sitting through uh, a meeting the other night about Bardstown Road in the Highlands, where they were talking about some of the issues they're having there along that business corridor right now. Crime, traffic problems are, are you know, prevalent, and some feel that it's affecting the business climate there. Uh, the new commander of that division was on that Zoom call and told the crowd, look, we, we do what we can in terms of traffic. Someone in the comments section wrote, how many traffic officers do you have? The officer, the major said, I don't have any. I have zero. Uh, we are so stretched thin. Uh, I don't have the manpower to do everything that you guys would like. And just kind of an honest moment there from that division commander saying, look, we need more manpower. We're stretched so thin right now. Well, Chad, if there were ever a consultant uh, laden sentence, that one that you just read <laughs> a little earlier definitely fits uh, fits the bill. And, uh, you know, I love these reports where well, a consultant will recommend that something else be studied or evaluated. But in that vein, I'll, I'll throw this to both of you guys. What do you think were the most interesting uh, concrete steps that were suggested by this report, anything that surprised you or that you think is likely to actually be tackled and lead to real changes? Well, Chris, one of the things they mentioned in, in one of the major pieces of the Breonna Taylor case were the search warrants. Um, as you know, an officer is accused of uh, lying or giving false information in the search warrant that allowed them to raid Brianna Taylor's home. This report basically said that there's been a culture of acceptance in the department where, uh, where, where the search warrants are um, improved immediately by supervisors, by judges, that uh, they're not, the police are not following their policies and protocols, and that they even started training for detectives to give search to, to execute search warrants, but then the detectives weren't going through the training before they were given the search, doing the search warrants. So there's some obvious immediate improvements that they can do there, which is more scrutiny of search warrants, uh, have, making sure the training is taking place. I mean, I think that's an easy way to start. Uh, a concrete example of a problem with the Breonna Taylor case and, and something they can quickly, I think, rectify. And on the diversity front, there were a number of recommendations as well. Uh, they asked the department to hire a diversity officer who could be placed within the top ranks of LMPD. Uh, there there were, was a list that included other efforts to diversify the department itself uh, with bringing in new recruits that mirror the communities they will police. Uh, and then on the community policing side, there's a whole count maybe more than 10 recommendations on how the department can foster more community policing efforts. Uh, one of them is develop a written plan uh, with some of those goals, training personnel better, uh, also tasking LMPD who have a history of success in those areas to teach uh, community engagement, community-oriented policing 
in the police academy itself. So injecting those strategies at the very beginning of an officer's career with LMPD. Uh, and then another one calls for recognizing and rewarding community-oriented policing and community engagement. Uh, the list goes on and on. Again, 102 recommendations and all that really jump from the areas, the problematic areas that LMPD has right now. And another one they, they mentioned was transparency issues, you know, open records. They recommended that LMPD be more transparent because as all three of us know, there have been issues to trying to get records from LMPD, including in this Breonna Taylor case. So that's another, that's another, I think, important step that, that would really help the community have more trust in LMPD if the public and media could get uh, public records easier. Yeah, we have a little obvious self-interest in, in, in making sure that one is is followed through. Uh, another question that either of you or both of you could take a stab at, I see this pattern a lot in government where a study will be commissioned. The study is commissioned. It sits on a shelf. Nothing really changes until five or 10 years later. Somebody pulls the study off the shelf and says, this study's really out of date. We need to commission a new study as to what we're supposed to do. So my question is, who do you think will be accountable for implementing these recommendations on what time frame and who is going to hold them to account? Well, if uh, obviously the chief is the big figurehead here who obviously is coming in after this report was commissioned in the first place. Uh, and I think it's the word you're going to hear a lot over the next few months, and Jason already said it once, was, is the word roadmap. She already used that a couple of times last week during her news conference of, of using the recommendations in this report to kind of guide her policies for LMPD and her reforms and changes of LMPD. And she feels pretty strongly that she can make those changes while keeping officers happy and making reforms that the community would like to see as well. And obviously politics comes into play here as well. Uh, the mayor only has a, a couple years left in his term. Uh, when I was talking to the members of the African-American community the other day, they, you know, they say part of the reason we can never really see change take effect is because when a new mayor comes in, there could be a new police chief. So you would have to think that Chief Shields has that in the back of her mind as well, that she has to really perform to avoid being replaced by whoever becomes mayor uh, during the next cycle, which isn't really too far away when you think about it. A couple years will be by in no time. So, uh, yeah, but there is, Chris, some skepticism that it will just be another report, that it will just sit on the, the shelf and collect dust. Chief Shields, though, said last week it will not collect dust. And she also said that she would be providing regular updates to the public on on what is what has happened, what what changes are being made. So uh, it's not one of those things where I think we're going to have to wait a year to see anything. If if she keeps her word, we should periodically hear what's being done. And if that's not happening, I think it's it's logical that the media is going to be asking questions. Councilwoman Keisha Dorsey, who's been heavily involved in you know, reviewing LMPD, very interested in all of this, uh, told me last week that 
after her precursory review of the recommendations, there, there was plenty of what she called low-hanging fruit that LMPD could change pretty quickly without much trouble. Chad, I know you're so plugged in with Metro Council uh, and the mayoral field is going to be a big free-for-all. Council President David James has already thrown his hat in the race for 2022. Do you feel that whoever wins uh, the Democratic primary for mayor is likely to support these recommendations and want to follow through on this? Or is there anybody who disagrees with what's in this report? That's a good question. And I'm not too sure just yet. Um, Obviously, last week, when Chief Shields appeared before Metro Council, the report was only a couple hours old at that point. So the questions were uh, very general. Uh, they, they couldn't really get into the weeds. Now, she is expected to be before Metro Council Wednesday night to answer more questions from Metro Council. So maybe we could see uh, more pointed questions at her this week. But last week, uh, she seemed to, my takeaway after she left was she seemed to have, quote unquote, all the right answers before Metro Council. There wasn't anything she had to deflect on. Uh, Metro Council members were generally nodding their heads Uh, when she spoke. In fact, uh, Russell Coleman, the former U.S. attorney for the Western District, was in the crowd just kind of waiting for his turn to be recognized. He was uh, given a plaque during the full council meeting, and uh, he he was there as the chief was concluding her comments to Metro Council, and she was talking about the need to go harder at gangs and and have more gang-related charges when gang members are arrested, and he in the crowd was nodding his head in, in support of that Uh, She had another exchange with Councilwoman Dorsey, who asked her about winning the trust of the African-American community, where she went through kind of the whole history of the police and and why African-Americans view the police maybe differently than white people. And uh, there were definitely some heads on Metro Council nodding. So it, it seems so far, some of the members have liked what they've heard from Chief Shields. Question is, and time will tell, can she deliver? I know you'll be covering that follow-up in the fallout from this report and Jason as well. Uh, Thank you both so much for joining us on the show today. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Chris. The Uncovered Podcast is a production of WDRB Media. Please subscribe, review, and rate wherever you get your podcasts.